0: Africa. Africa.
1: Africa.
2: Africa. Africa.
1: Africa. Africa.
2: Africa. Africa Media Review.
3: Hello and welcome to Africa Media Review. As its name suggests, Africa Media Review is a platform where journalists and media practitioners come together to discuss issues of relevance to media on our continent. I am your host, Stephen Lang. If you are a new listener, thank you for tuning in, and to our loyal listeners, welcome back to a new part of our show, the Africa Media Review. We have exciting content scheduled for you today. The journalism and media studies students conducted interviews on a range of topics, and today we will be getting to hear more about those stories so do stay tuned. Sibusisiwe and Yandiswa interviewed the associate producer of My Only Story, Nokotula Manyati. This is where we will get to know more about the series of the podcast. Then, secondly, Garfield interviewed Media Studies lecturer Priscilla Boshoff on a journal article she wrote on the life of Zodwa Wabantu. Sake and Zizanda were responsible for a third story on elections and the media, where they spoke to Redi Tlabi and Raymond Joseph, who shared their views. Then, lastly, Noabisa and Nortolo interviewed health journalists Mohali Moloi and Aisha Abdul Karim on the pandemic and the media.
2: Africa Media Review.
3: My only story is a live investigation podcast series. The podcast is based on the hunting down of serial pedophiles in boys' schools. Learners shouldn't be feeling unsafe in schools and taken advantage of. Sibuse Siwe and Yandiswa embark on a journey. Speaking to the associate producer of the podcast, Nokotula Manyati.
4: I am Nokotula Manyati. I'm currently the deputy multimedia editor at News24. I also work very closely with Alison Pope, who is our executive producer. My role is different in that it's a bit more hands-on in terms of the tech stuff. So I call myself Miss Mike and Codes. My responsibility is also setting up interviews for some people that we wanted to feature in the podcast. I met Dion in 2019 very briefly. Um, 2019, as you would know, that's when he produced the first season of My Only Story, which was him tracking down his abuser and uh, trying to get justice with that. As you will know that the first season of my only story was published on news 24 a little after the start of 2021 which is this year he again approached news 24 specifically arjan person our editor-in-chief about this investigation that he'd been working on and that he had a lot of evidence and he had received some tips um and he wanted to collaborate with news 24 and he also just wanted to continue our professional relationship so i then joined the production of my only story season two and that was the, the start of the production so the actual going out and recording interviews so dion had now at that point, had been working for about 12 months, if not more, on just the reporting and in the investigation and going through the paperwork and sifting through all the evidence. And then when it was now time to go meet the whistleblowers and the people involved, then I joined in in that production. So I've been with them, yeah, since then and now. And Dion is such an incredible writer and visionary. So when he came to approaching his 24 again and... The evidence that he had after checking and verifying, it v- was really important for News24 to take on that story. You know, part of what we do is we want to inform and we want to empower people through the medium and this is that type of story that you know you want to hold those who are in power accountable and you also want to make sure that people are safe and they have the right information and that way you can create change you can and this fashion itself is that type of story that it would really make an impact Dion really led the charge with the investigation as well as Allison News 24 came in in terms of the investigating in the latter part, so in terms of Sasona just make sending writer responses, following up on certain leads that developed as we were publishing. As you know, it's a, it's a live investigation, so you can do a bulk of the investigating beforehand, but a lot of stuff
2: unfolds. So that's when the News Twenty Four really came in. Noctula further elaborates on the social media criticism based on my only stories focused on elite boys'
4: schools. What Dion says explicitly is that he received a tip about a young boy who had died by suicide and the father suspected that there was more to the story than what was put to him at face value. So if Tom had died at a public co-ed school, the same procedure would have been followed. We are in no way denying that this problem is widespread. It's not just endemic to private schools, it's not just endemic to St. Andrews. But as responsible journalists, we have to follow the evidence that we have. We can't just implicate any other school just for the sake of it if we don't have evidence of misdeeds or sexual grooming. I know people also critiquing us that there's just a focus on boys school. We then got word and evidence of a teacher at DSG who was accused of having improper relations with young girls and then we featured that. So I think it's really important to clarify that this wasn't a hit piece on elite schools. This wasn't a hit piece on St. And Andrews. It just so happened that Tom's experience was at St Andrews.
2: My only story has been a huge success. Noctula speaks on their journey.
4: I mean, the journey has been long and it's been very interesting to see how everything has unfolded it's also been very overwhelming in terms of the responses so we have a helpline where we've asked people to to whatsapp us or to send us text messages or message us through telegraph we've also got an email as well as social media and the amount of stories that we've heard from people from across the country who are either saying thank you for bringing this issue to light feeling empowered to also say me too in that way. I think for us what was set out was just to hold people accountable and to create a space where people can share their stories as well. We've had a lot of me too messages, not only towards um, St. Andrews, but people from different schools across the country, people who at school in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, saying, oh, I had a teacher touch me inappropriately, um, but the school covered it up, or I'm now realizing that I may have been groomed. So a lot of people have had, I would say, if the right word is epiphany or new realizations having listened to the podcast or a lot of thank yous for doing this work i'm now recognizing some behaviors in my child that i think you know we need to address or might be an indicator of some sort of abuse so that has just really been overwhelming and also Realizing that a lot of people have feel they've been let down by the justice system and the podcast has become a way where the message boards have become a way of them sharing their experiences and feeling like what they have to say
2: matters. My only story has impacted many lives and good. And bad ways. Noctula elaborates further. The importance of the work that we do
4: as journalists. I think right now journalism is a bit under attack with the the surgeons of like fake news and people question. And also some people in our industry who haven't been behaving well. There's been a certain level of erosion of trust with our industry and. You know, as journalists, particularly if you're working for a breaking news site, you're kind of working at the speed of light, and sometimes you wonder, like, does the work that I do matter? Will it change lives? Is it resonating with with everyone? Because there's always a breaking news story or a lead, you know, so you never get a chance to kind of sit down and and assess if the work you do has impact. So I think with these type of narrative projects that take time and that we publish over a long period of time, and you get a chance to you know, engage with feedback.
3: What an interesting interview. I think that Nokotula comes across as a very sympathetic person and very dedicated to her task. And she clearly enjoyed uh, working on this project and she felt it had value. She said a couple of times that showed her what it means to do such work. It gives her a feeling of fulfillment in, in doing such work. But she's also deeply interested in the content of what was happening. And she says that this is going to be a lesson. People are going to learn from this, find out how in the future to avoid such unpleasant situations. It's also very interesting that from a view of a, being a podcast, because if this were a written article, you could read it and then five minutes later move on. If it were visual, it would be very difficult because you'd have to film everything and not everything is possible to film. Because this is audio, you can sympathize with the people speaking. You can identify with them, and you can feel the story. It has a lot more meaning to you. So I think that this shows that podcasting was really the right medium to do such a program.
2: Africa Media Review
3: In our podcast, we look to bring fascinating and interesting stories that our listeners will enjoy. One such story is is about the article that senior lecturer at Rhodes University, Priscilla Boshoff, published in a journal. The article is about her research on her favorite South African influencer, Zodwa Wabantu. Taryn Isaacs de Vega sat down and had an interview with Priscilla regarding her article, where she was more than happy to not only do the interview, but also talk more about the topic of Ben Tens and sugar mummy relationships.
1: Why of oh, all, because you mentioned this range of material that The Daily Sun covers... So why, I mean, you wrote two articles, and this is kind of where our discussion is going. You wrote two yeah. articles, one on Zodwa Wobantu, um and, you know, her representation, you know, self presentation and her representation of the Daily Sun. And then you wrote the other article, which
5: was mm-hmm. Benten's Sugar Mummies. What was the article? Like Benten's and Sugar Mummies. Why? Just nothing but a number. Out of all of what you could write about, why this Because these are the burning issues that face people today in South Africa. This is what people talk about.
6: She also continues to talk about how as a scholar herself, how her work has been centered around gender, understanding how popular culture has shaped our understanding of gender and gender relations. And she talks about how she used gender studies as a reference point from where she approached Zotwa Wabantu and social media and how they interpreted gender relations for contemporary audiences.
5: It's one of the things, What's well, one of the important things that people talk about. And my int- I have a very deep interest in gender. So as a scholar, a lot of my scholarly work has been done around gender, how to understand gender, how to understand the way that media represents gender, how to understand the way that popular culture shapes our, our understandings of, of gender and gender relations so gender studies is really where I am it's gender studies gender studies is the position from which I approach phenomena. phenomena like Zodra Wawantu and the ben 10, um relationships so what I'm really interested in is understanding how popular culture forms like the Daily Sun or like Instagram, which is another place in which popular culture comes to life, how do these sites of representation, whether it's the tabloid or whether it's the the internet or the, the social media site like Instagram, how are these sites of popular culture interpreting gender relations for contemporary audiences?
6: Lastly, she explains to us why exactly Zotwa Wabantu is a perfect example of the struggle that black women face of the prejudices of one kind or another. And she gives us reasons for as to why exactly. When it pertains to news about Zotwa Wabantu in the media, a number of conversations across the country arise as soon as the news breaks.
5: So that is my interest in Zodwa because she is a very clear example of the contestation over what it means to be a woman in contemporary South Africa. She epitomizes the struggle over gender identity, over femininity. She is, an, she is a, the perfect example of the struggle of black women against prejudices of one kind or another. She's an older woman, she's a woman who many people think is ugly, but she is unashamed of her body, she's unashamed of her sexuality and she refuses to be subordinated to a man. And for all of those reasons she breaks the rules of femininity in South Africa. So I think she she is a very important person.
3: Priscilla Boshoff has a very interesting take on gender studies, particularly looking at it from a feminist perspective, because she looks at gender studies through populist media. She looks at it through tabloid, the old tabloid newspapers, and through the more modern popular culture platform of Instagram. And this is quite unique because she's also using as, I suppose, a case study, Zodwa Wabantu, a very well-known influencer on social media, who is a feminist. She's unashamed of who she is. She's unapologetic of her gender identity. So, it's a very interesting perspective that makes this paper that she has written, I'm sure very interesting. I can't wait to read it myself.
2: Africa Media Review.
3: As part of bridging the gap between journalists... And the general public, Zisanda and Sake went on a journey to discover media editors and journalists who have been monitoring the 2021 elections by our media. They convinced prominent media thought leaders, Reddy Tlaby and Raymond Joseph, to share their views. The
7: one thing that strikes me, with some exception, is a lot of the election coverage that I'm seeing is very much about the politics and the politicians.
1: Local government elections are about our daily lives, whether I can get out of my house and find the streets are cleaned, the potholes have been cleared, water is available, electricity is available, the municipal rates that I pay are fair. I think that what has been lacking in our local government elections has been seeing being a councillor as some sort of reward as some sort of political process, local government elections are not about politics in the true sense of the word. For example, they're not about a clash between democracy and um, a lack of democracy. They're not about a debate between um, a liberal economic development uh, a policy and a conservative one. They're not about ideology.
7: You know, and it's no use reporting that a municipality... Is poorly performing. There is no electricity, or, or or people are lining up at JoJo tanks for water. You know, journalists need to get on the ground and not just report what is wrong, but to talk to the people. All media used to have what was called a municipal reporter. That reporter would cover municipal politics. They would attend municipal meetings. They would attend ratepayers' meetings. They would understand the issues. Those people don't exist anymore. That job, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. But listen, the fact that a lot of the areas are not being covered, partially because the local journalists, the publications have closed down.
2: President Ramaphosa has announced that there has been an increase in the number of independent candidates running for municipal elections. Raymond Joseph and Ray de share their opinions about the independent candidates.
7: This is the first time we're going to see an election like this with so many independents. And they're going to hold the balance of power.
1: You know, I was very impressed with the independent candidates. They are young. Uh, So it was inspiring to be in the company of young people who are engaging with uh, community issues. That's the first thing that impressed me. The second thing is that they are not politicians in the traditional sense of seeking higher office and ambition. They live in those communities. They had no intention of running for election, but they were moved to action or galvanized to action by seeing the realities of their communities, potholes no water, no electricity, those are the basic things that these independent candidates who are mostly young are running on, that's their ticket. In uh, Mangawung, for example, and in the uh, Pilanisburg, uh, Moses Kotani municipality, one of the things they said was how detached the councillors that they had were, how they didn't know anything about the community, they were not in touch. They couldn't be relied upon to bring services. So these people didn't just wake up and say, oh, I just want to be a politician. It's because of those problems that they joined.
3: Wow, that was really incredible. We had two very good speakers there, Eddie Chabie and Ray Joseph, who are both very knowledgeable about journalistic matters. And I think they both raised very important points about the local elections specifically being about people as opposed to the national elections, which are about politicians and political parties. So they raised this aspect of it as being more populist, more democratic in some ways. And this is really important. I think they hit the Nail on the head because they both raised issues about the smaller parties, the independents doing better this year. And I think that that's an interesting aspect because the smaller parties that are more sensitive to on the ground issues, they know more about what the people actually care about. And I think this is reflected in the election results.
2: Africa Media Review
3: In the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic, journalists have a crucial role to play in distributing health information to our society. Our audio storytellers connected with two health journalists from Becky Sisa for Health Journalism, Mohale Molloy and Aisha Abdul Karim, to tell us how health journalists deal with reporting about the pandemic.
8: Hi, I am Mohale Molloy. I am a health journalist and TV producer for Becky Sisa.
0: My name is Aisha Abdul Karim. I am a senior health reporter at the Beki Sisa Center for Health journalism.
8: Despite the uncertainties of the pandemic, journalism and journalists continue to serve as an important source of information when it comes to reporting on the pandemic. But can see as a health journalist, Mahala and Aisha, highlights the value and importance of the media right now.
0: People have a lot of questions. People are very confused. The media's role has been to try and provide as much clarity as possible to help people make the best, most informed choices that they can.
8: We've also seen the media playing an important role in accountability. Government and specifically the Department of Health in check during this pandemic. We've seen corruption scandals like the digital vibes matter, like the PPE corruption matters. Mohale and Aisha takes us through the biggest challenges and achievements while working as health journalists. Data has been crucial to this pandemic and explaining how things are moving, how things are changing, what situation are we in now, how many COVID cases do we have. And getting access to that data wasn't very easy earlier on in the pandemic. Last year, it was almost impossible to find out how many people are hospitalized with COVID 19 in the early stages of everything that was happening. Getting that data in a reliable way from governments and from other institutions was quite difficult. That has gotten better over time, as we've seen now with the government and their SA coronavirus website. We have actually been getting through to people. I think that's really what understand. For me, that is the, one of the biggest achievements. When I hear someone say, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for this information.
0: I think one of the biggest challenges, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic last year, was the complete lack of information. With COVID, because it was so new to everyone, there was just complete uncertainty. And sometimes people would say something and it would be true in the moment that they said it. A week later, it would be incorrect already because new science would come out to disprove that. One of my highlights is perhaps something more recent that... I got to work on this year with my colleague, Joan. And then I think the other reason why it's a highlight for me is because we got to do something very interesting in that we got to use this particular vaccine, the Sputnik V, to illustrate the larger context of the scientific system and how it works. So that was just a really fun and exciting project for me personally to have worked on.
8: Like many journalists, Mohale and Aisha have worked long hours reporting on the pandemic. They share their pearls of wisdom with other journalists. If you feel like a story that you're covering needs more time to explain or to get the proper message across to people, I would say fight for that time. Fight for getting yourself the time to actually Get all of the facts together before you put out an article. It is more important to put out the right information than it is to put out information first. So breaking news should be a little bit, uh, it is important for organizations. I get people need to break news stories and get that attention. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to give people the right information and not to cause panic
0: look at things within their context and how they relate to, you know, the people that are most affected. And the second is see how the health aspects within a community intertwine with the other experiences that they have.
3: Mohalia and Aisha point out a very important aspect that is actually wrong with journalism in our country and perhaps in the world at this moment. The issue is that people were not getting the correct information, and a lot of blame has been put at the doors of journalists. But an interesting aspect is that journalism and newsrooms in general are suffering from a lack of resources and suffering from a lack of journalists. And when all the social media and new media took over the news seen in the whole world, what happened is people closed newsrooms, they made newsrooms smaller, there was a lot of juniorization of newsrooms where people with less experience were retained and people with more experience were let go, which meant that you had people in the newsroom that were not familiar with science, they were not familiar with how to deal with complicated issues like this, because they were still new, they were juniors. And this has created a problem, particularly in the time of pandemic, that they didn't have the experience or Capacity to deal with the pandemic and put out the correct news and the relevant news at the same time. So, this was the real problem.
2: Africa Media Review.
3: And so, we have reached the end of our episode. This has truly been an insightful session where we got to hear from various storytellers and their different stories. Do stay tuned for our next episode. I am your host, Stephen Lang.
0: Africa
6: Africa Africa
2: Africa Africa
1: Africa
6: Africa
2: Africa Africa Media Review